Hello, and welcome to the 2023 Critical Care Congress edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Marilyn Bullock, and today I am pleased to be joined by Dr. Rahul Kashyap, MD and MBA, to discuss the COVID-19 virus registry. Dr. Kashyap is an assistant professor and clinical research scientist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. He's also the medical director of research at Wellspan Health York Hospital in York, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Welcome, Dr. Kashet. Before we start, do you have any disclosures to report? No, I'm happy to be here. And Virus Registry was funded by a couple of entities, but it was paid to the institutions. There's no personal disclosures there. Thank you for that. Let's just get started. You know, this is a personal love for mine because I love respiratory viral infections. And I think anyone who's been in healthcare, especially critical care in the last three years, has just been inundated with COVID. So tell us about the background of the virus registry. Where did it get started? How did it get organized? Sure. How much time do we have? <laughs> so virus registry, I would say one tweet sent by somebody in the East Coast, my mentor and colleague at Mayo Clinic, Professor Gaich, looked at that tweet and said, yeah, Dr. Kesha working on something like that. Let's get together. That was Dr. Alan Walk. He sent a tweet that his anybody's looking for observational studies to initiate non-randomized clinical trial based. And that's it. That changed everything. If you go in background and back, like we were working on some global common data elements project within SCCM Discovery, and it was a little frustrating that we were not ready to launch it, and then the virus was coming in. So it was a little bit sad, but we had a few things done in the past. And then we just got together, SCCM, Dr. Vishal Kumar, co-PI, Dr. Alwaki, and myself. And then thanks to SCCM Discovery Infrastructure, we were able to actually launch the study in three weeks in March 2020. And we have published about it. Dr. Walkie has published that in Critical Care Exploration. So I would say fruit of passion, hard work, and collaboration, those were three key points for it to be launched in March 2020. So three weeks, that sounds impressive, but there's a lot of work that went into that three weeks. How much has it grown since then? Yeah, so since then, I think in the first day or two, we had like roughly 12 sites signed up for and then we had like 12, 10 patient data on day one. Everybody pitched in health from legal, IFE, and so on and so forth. So registry has become one of the large, second largest registry of this kind in the world after WHO, the largest in North America. More than 326 hospitals from 26 countries, including both adults and pediatric. Our registry has grown to now to enroll 88,000 unique patients, both in adult and pediatric. More than that, that's the story of thousands of people during the time of pandemic of working to do manual data collection, data automation, and many different things. And then academically, productively, like like roughly 35, 36 publications have been published in the last 37 months. Wow. Tell me about some of these publications. What are some of the things that your group is looking at with the registry? So the registry was designed that can we look at the observational data? Can we look at this data to answer some of the pressing questions? Many questions like uh, the, the first few papers were just talking about the guiding principles of how to establish a registry. Dr. Walkie is a primary author on that. Then we looked at multiple different things. What is the practice variations across the hospital? And then we found that it made it a huge splash at the time that Dr. Domeik has written that paper as a first author, that everything keeping aside, which hospital you go to, and we didn't reveal any hospital's name and so on and so forth, that may determine your outcome after of COVID-19. And we're talking about early days, no vaccine. We did not know what is working, what is not working, many different variants and things like that as well. So it should be taken as a grain of salt. Then 
I mean, everything under the sun, looking at cutaneous manifestations, looking at the readmission rates, looking at the project management of registry. We had the hub and spoke model, how things could work out from leadership angle. If you go down on all different things, like what sort of oxygenation they require, we looked into pediatric parts. We looked into MISC, the patients who are coming to ICU, how they're dealing with it as well. Dr. Tenson has published on metabolic syndrome that made pajama network paper as well. So anything which we could answer from limited data set we had, it was looked and asked for. We are very, very proud of the fact that out of these 37, 38 publications, except first two papers, each paper is written by a different co-author. So there's a lot of collaboration and reward built in for people. And it was a truly multi-professional. We have authors who are not only MDs, but RN, medical students, PharmDs, and so on and so forth. So we are very proud that we were able to live through the SCCM's uh, expectations of being diverse as well. And then it's, it's one of the uh, discoveries of flagship project to do those years. So you sound like the registry has managed to look into a lot of the pathophysiology and everything like that. One of the things that I know early on, you said, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to treat these. So has that been something that you've been able to capture in your limited data set? Yeah. So the registry, if we go into detail on that, we had the buckets of data of demographic of all these patients, chronic medical conditions, the processes of care, what kind of medications they required, what, what happened with them, organ failure and so on and so forth, and some vitals as well lab values, and then outcomes, ICU and hospital length of the stay, making medication duration, discharge disposition, and so on and so forth. So and what we did is we had few core ideas where the core team wanted to answer those questions. I would say six or seven. And then I think we, at one point of time, we had roughly 120 ancillary ideas got submitted by the investigators from these GNR hospitals. Out of them, I think 65 got approved. And then we are still in the process to sending the data and having them work through those things. So it gives you the idea that if people put join hand together, even the during of crisis, and especially during the crisis, you can do quite a bit with zero funding in the beginning. And then when it, it got funded, it helped the infrastructure at Discovery SEC. CM at Mayo Clinic and Boston University as well. So I think you bring up a good point. We faced a time where we couldn't be like, oh, this is my research. You know, I'm going to be the star on it. We had to work together. It's nice to see that that seems to be one of the, the positive things that has come out of the pandemic that hopefully will continue to remain true. How do people get involved with this? You know, if they haven't heard about this registry up until now, what do they do? And they said, this is great. I want to participate. Absolutely. So if you're listening to this podcast in your car, once you park and go to the hospital or work, check it out. If you just type in SCCM discovery virus COVID-19 registry, and virus stands for viral infection and respiratory illness universal study. So when we designed, we kept it a little bit timeless that let's capture the COVID-19, but it could be open for other viral infections as well. You can very well get involved or reach out. There is a task you can say, contact us. Or if you're listening to me, you can email it to me, Dr. Kumar, Dr. Walkie, or just the journal SCCM is saying, hey, we'd like to see who can we get in touch with for SCCM Discovery Virus Registry. Uh, it's not too late. It's never too late. It is open for the existing participating sites. We're telling them, hey, can you enroll as many as new patients till March 2023? We'll keep the registry open for a couple of years. Then people can still continue to contribute the data till December. But any new sites is welcome to include data anytime. If they can do manual data collection, we can provide some automatic data collection opportunities as well. And then we may talk about what is next after registry, where there's some opportunity to be part of infrastructure building project, which we are doing now with collaboration with Curati Project with FDA and CPATH, which we'll talk about it today or maybe in a subsequent version. 
That sounds wonderful. Now, you mentioned before you had over 100 ideas that were submitted, but 65 were accepted. It seems like a very difficult job narrowing that down because I'm sure they were all really good ideas. So how did you triage or prioritize what you had the bandwidth or just the manpower to be able to look into? So that's where the Society of Critical Care Medicine and Discovery Group in coming picture. Discovery has experience through their projects like certain Hemair, Sari Prep, and things like that, where a large amount of investigators contribute the data. We build a reward system for them saying, you know, you're contributing the data. You always own your own data. You can always get it back and then do whatever you want to do with that. Two, if your data has been used to a collaborative publication and you made it to certain rules, we had like top 5% site and top 10% site, you will be a main author in the author list as well. You'll get a chance to add it and then review and approve it. Anybody else's data, even I think we had a rule, if you have a 10, minimum 10 good patients means complete data set, you'll be a collaborative co-author. So every single institution, and they can have up to five co-authors from each institution if the data is less. Like, say, an institution has 1,500 patients, but somebody only has 50, they will still get a co-authorship as well. So in that process, and then Discovery has done it for many years now, they were a form they can submit that, I want to seek the data, and they can seek whole data to ask a primary question. They could submit a nicely designed PICO question, maybe a page-long proposal, and then it went to the the core team to review it. And then, then what we found, which was sound as well as strategically needed, those proposals got approved quickly. And then, then we started sending them the all the identified data with under DUAs and all legal paperwork without revealing any hospital's name for them to utilize it. In some cases, we were able to provide them the statistical support as well. But most cases, institutions who had resources of investigators who had resources at the end, they were able to analyze the data and write it up. And then manuscript got reviewed and approved by the core team or the core manuscript got approved by the discovery's leadership to make sure that we have good quality check as well as some sort of a internal peer review before the manuscript goes up. Interesting. Now, a lot has changed in three years. You know, I feel like the COVID that we were dealing with February, March, April 2020 is very different than the COVID we're seeing now in a lot of ways. So are there any plans to go back and maybe revisit any of those original questions that you looked into in the early parts of the project? So one thing is, is it is it a good registry? Absolutely. Is it a perfect registry? Probably not. We learn a lot through this process. We learn many things. We learn that, yes, if there are a few committed people and largely motivated people across the world, you can do these things with no funding or zero funding or very minimal funding. Two is that there are limitations for that. Automated data collection would have increased the process. Now we are much better in position. Manual data collection, prioritizing the data, which we didn't early enough that we want to have minimum data set that we can answer some of these questions as well. We are building capacities that through QRID project to see how can we have automatic data collection through Epic, Cerner, Manitag, whatnot, where we can have the large sum of data dump from vitals, labs, and medications. So nobody's going in and collecting them manually and the chances of error, and it takes a lot of manpower as well. So there are some questions we could not answer. For question is like early versus late intubation. Our registry was not designed to capture the date and time of intubation because of the IRP things and then the identification and all. We could not have dates in the registry. That question could not be answered, but we are looking to see ways to see how we can enhance the database with only maybe some few select sites who are dedicated to provide that kind of data. So it sounds like you're making the best of what you have. I mean, just as someone who loves viral infections, it sounds great. In my own head, I can think of a million different things you could do with it. What have been the implications of it so far? 
that's a broad question. But so intentionally so. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I could take it in any direction, but let me put it this way. So it has some viral panels, biofire and other panels data as well. I don't think so questions have been asked specifically from that angle. There's, I think, one question, I think, working on co-infection as well. That, that one of the ancillary studies I was aware of, it. it's in current stages and so, so forth, looking into those things. We are living in a triple pandemic, so, so to speak, with COVID-19 and monkeypox and then our usual influenza and then RSV in this regard as well. And, and both of those have made a big comeback exactly. this year. So I think... I would say implication-wise, our registry, we should not be scambling every time we face certain crises. I think one of the largest studies that Society of Clinical Medicine as well, through discovery, has shown that, you know, yes, there are people, their expertise, in-house expertise, and there is willingness to collaborate with anybody around the world as well. And this registry now we are collaborating with the FDA and the WHO collaborations and a few other things as well for that matter. Our, the even Radiological Society of America is the imaging partner for the registry. We thought we will have it into red cap, but then we realized that they, they do it much better than us. And then it's all de-identified images and all. So the ACR, American College of Radiology, my apologies. So implications are that, you know, their infrastructure, which is going to get better, we're working on it. The data coming out from it was able to answer some high value questions. And there's still many questions unanswered. In, in journal, what we don't know what happened, what caused, and what worked, what did not work properly. We had some idea. So infrastructure like this and registry like this has created the second layer of investigators who are not just MDs working in the same area. Now we have seen a crop of young, new, or even, you know, any age investigators, both from male and female and any of the gender for that matter, across specialties who were able to step up, contribute, and drive the registries field. It was pragmatic. We kept updating and adding things that they came, came in, and that was the beauty of that. That was pretty flexible. So that is the biggest implication I would see that, you know, we have created a next gen of investigators across the spectrum within the country and outside, and then that success story needs to be go out and told, and I'm glad that we are doing it today. That sounds like it was really both personally and professionally fulfilling for some of those young investigators because, you know, you're young and you're just trying to feel your way through. You don't know how to get started. And then here you have this major global pandemic, big public health crisis, and you want to contribute that way. And it's almost like this gave them the opportunity to fulfill two big opportunities at once. True enough. I will tell you that one of the medical students, she's a co-author on 16 or 17 of manuscripts from virus COVID-19 registry. She's the lead and first author of a cutaneous manifestation of COVID-19, who was part of registry when she was onboarding the sites on RedCap. Onboarding 300 sites in three, four months with 3,000 plus people is not an easy task. So she contributed what she could at the time, but she learned PICO, she was able to write it and then get it published as well. So there are tons of stories like that. A medical student, a non-medical person able to write a project management paper on virus COVID-19 registry, a pharmacist, an RN and PhD and, and an MD and whatnot. So those are the stories which are personally fulfilling for me and then our, our leadership team as well. And I think the collaboration is the one thing which made it possible that everybody say, what can I do to help? And then people pitched in their time. If, if you imagine if you have 10 patients the first few months in your ICU or hospital, you can't do much with those 10 patients. The best you can write a case series to see what happened with them. But if 100 institutions 
they add just 10 patients. Now we're talking about 1,000 patients. You can have a, quite a few hypotheses with PICO questions to answer some of the burning questions during the early phase of pandemic that we did not know what's happening. That's very true, especially for hospitals with staffing loads and their resources are limited. What impact on clinical care have you seen come out of the registry's work? So there are a couple of things is that observation studies data, the evidence is low compared to randomized controlled trial. But this observation study data and hypothesis gave you an idea to design what it is. I'll give an example is that now we are in a process of, and then there are leaders who are looking at drug repurposing, saying how can we look into this observational data to design pragmatic trials within U.S. and outside that any existing treatment which worked really well can be studied a little bit more in detail. ID drug repurposing collaborative is a fantastic example for that, that we're looking to have data automation and pragmatic trial, like platform-based trial, that you can randomize a whole hospital data gets pulled out automatically and see what worked for them, what did not work for them in this regard. So those implications are huge. It'll take time for results to come in. We are hoping that we could do these things in, in timely fashion and be ready for the next pandemic, which is going to happen in our lifetime sooner than we think. So I think the implications are to look at the data and then design an infrastructure which could be activated in weeks and months. I think that's really important because as we've discussed here at Congress this year, the next pandemic is not a matter of if but when. You know, if you look at history, they happen quite more often than I think most people really realize. And to be able to have this structure already in place we may be able to get boots off the ground and going a lot faster than maybe we were able to with this past pandemic. What do you want to see as your next steps with the registry? Well, our next steps are very clear. We want to make sure what we started, we ended on a high note, at least from COVID-19 perspective. We want to make sure that data collection, which is ongoing, it's complete and it try to get complete as much as possible. The infrastructure building for data automation, utilizing the queries, edge tool through your ID and so on and so forth, creating awareness among institutions who could not join. And it's totally understandable. The hospitals were understaffed to take care of patients, forget about research. So those who could not, and they think that now they, we might be out of the acute crisis, continue to join as well and become the node of this network to get reactivated as and when needed. That's one-sided approach. Two is now participating institutions and other investigators, they know that now they could submit their idea and others could work on those ideas, utilize the infrastructure, the platforms and things like that. The virus industry is one example of collaboration, but God forbid next flu pandemic or next flu emergency comes in, the infrastructure could be utilized, the legal paperwork, DUAs and all those things. Of course, you have to do those things, new proposal and things like that, but it should not take us years now. It could be done within days and weeks as well. So I would say that that is something those who are listening to this podcast today should look out for it. You can work on ideas we already have and you can present your ideas so others could work on them and we'll be happy to. So it sounds like this is something that is not going to go away. It's going to be here for a long time to come. And that's, that's a great thing to hear. Yeah. And I would add it like so far, the registry was open for participating institutions, investigators. We do have plans to open it up for anybody with appropriate idea, submission and approvals. Uh, and then legal paperwork is maybe a DUA and uh, assigned as well. Could be utilized because we like to see different questions being asked and then answered by smart people like who are listening to this podcast. 
you heard him. If any of you are interested, please look at the virus registry on Discovery's website. Well, I think we're about out of time, but before I close, I want to give you just an opportunity to talk about anything we didn't discuss today. I think we pretty much covered it. I would just say that if you're just holding back that I have never done research or I don't know, I've never been part of any big collaboration like that. If you're a member or not member of SCCM, I would invite you to join a discovery group. It's a fantastic group, but reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Email me or anybody in SCCM at this time to reach out to it. You're not done this before. Or if you think you don't have enough skills, worry not. We have enough tools for you to have it started. And we like to see if we can work on your ideas and take it further. Well, that's wonderful. And thank you so much for joining us today. This concludes another edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast. For the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast, I'm Marilyn Bullock. And thank you for joining us. Marilyn N. Bullock, PharmD, BCPS, FCCM is an associate clinical professor and director of strategic operations at Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy. She is also an adjunct associate professor in the Department of Family, Internal, and Rural Medicine at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, USA, and the University of Alabama, Birmingham School of Medicine. This podcast was recorded during the Society of Critical Care Medicine's 2023 Critical Care Congress. Access essential education online through Congress Digital. More than 120 sessions are available on an easy-to-use platform. Continuing education credit is also available. Some SCCM members receive complimentary access to Congress Digital. To learn more, visit sccm.org slash congressdigital. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Contact a customer service representative at 847-827-6888 or visit sccm.org slash membership for more information. The SCCM podcast is the copyrighted material of the Society of Critical Care Medicine and all rights are reserved. Find more episodes at sccm.org slash podcast. This podcast is for educational purposes only. The material presented is intended to represent an approach, view, statement, or opinion of the presenter that may be helpful to others. The views and opinions expressed herein are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or views of SCCM. SCCM does not recommend or endorse any specific test, physician, product, procedure, opinion, or other information that may be mentioned.